I'm going to do something different today to begin. I'm going to ask you to pray for me and pray for our staff and our elders. I woke up this morning remembering, um, it's a little personal, I don't know, I get choked up weirdly sometimes, but remembering the first Sunday I ever ministered as a staff member of a church, 1979, First Baptist Church, Los Chavez, New Mexico, outside Albuquerque. And I said, uh, Lord, I'm just, what do I do? And the Holy Spirit just spoke back in my heart, just love people. Just love. They don't know how much, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. He didn't say that to me then. I learned that later. But, <laughs> but um, just to, I just want to love you right. And uh, I'm learning to, you know, we're in a process of learning to love. You know, I think that's, we, we will, Bob Jones had a, had a time where he was clinically dead and he was before the, the gates or before heaven, heaven's gates and the, some, the Lord was asking every person, did you learn to love? So I just, there's nothing big, I'm not mad at you or there's no thing like that. I just, I would just like, uh, I would just like you to just, I guess in silence or if someone feels led to, uh, Nate, could you stand? Kyle, Rachel, Grace, Elders, Paul, Gary, Todd. Would you just pray for us? That, uh, Yeah, thank you, Lord. Lord, forgive me for not loving right at times. Fill me, fill us up. I thank you for Romans. It says that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I want, I want to be able to continue to grow in love. Thank you for this church, for this church family, for the love that's filling my heart and in this room even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, I woke up and I just shot out of bed and went, wow, yeah. And I, I felt that. I felt that love and strength from the Lord. Mm. All right. I know. I could really mess up today, and you'd still. Like... Did anyone make a New Year's resolution this year? I don't usually. I don't usually do it, and uh, but I ch just thought I'd check on the internet. You know, which is obviously the source of ultimate truth, the internet. <laughs> But I looked on the internet and it, they said 80% of people who make a New Year's resolution don't keep it. 
and most of them don't keep the resolution uh, after January 12th. So I, I think maybe we set resolutions. If we do, we set the bar too high. We should probably, I've, not, I've got two resolutions this year that I'm pretty confident about. I'm going to order Chinese food takeout at least once this year. That's, I know I can do that. And I'm going to vote in the November election. All right, I'm going to do that. So I think I can do that. Though even though New Year's resolutions get a, you know, we joke about them. It is important for us to set goals for the year, to ask the Lord, to pray about, to, to be goal-oriented, goals for our physical health, for our growth intellectually, spiritually, socially. Goals are a good thing. And so what I did a few weeks ago was I began to Ask the Lord, what, what are, what's on your heart, Holy Spirit, for me this year? What's, what's a goal that I can focus on in 2020? And I wasn't trying to come up with an answer. It's just it just came right, boom, in my, in my mind, this phrase, make true disciples. And that, like, it went off in me, like, like wow, that's, that's, you know, really on your heart strong on your heart, as if it was high on God's list for me this year to spend my time and to focus on making, and the phrase was true disciples. Now, it makes sense that that would be big on God's heart because that is the great commission for all of us as believers. Matthew 28, 18 and 19, Jesus, some of his final words and instructions before ascending to heaven were this, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. He's talking to those disciples and to all of us today who name the name of Jesus. Go and make, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, all ethnic groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the great commission. So it's important. So I think my goal is lined up with what God's heart is. What would it be like? What would it be like if Austin, all the Christians in Austin, were true disciples? What would Austin be like? Just dream with me here. I, I, don't, have the, I don't have the full answer on what a true disciple is, but... What would this be? What would our city be like? What would churches be like? I think every church would have the finances it needs to fulfill its ministry assignments before God because the members of the church were bringing all the tithe into the storehouse. That would be something that churches wouldn't be wondering, can we do what God's called us to do? I think there would be less trash in the city because church groups would go out on the weekends and clean up streets and neighborhoods. I'm just thinking here. I just kind of went, huh. There could be less potential wildfires because youth groups would be helping cities clear out dead brush and branches in places where a wildfire could spring up. There'd be less crime, less abortions, Less alcoholism, 
less depression, less drug use, less divorce. Because all the Christians in the city were praying for the people around them and caring about people with the compassion of Jesus. What would it be like? Keith Green, a a worship leader, singer, songwriter in the 70s, said this on a live album. He said, you know, if the church was doing its job, there would be no need for welfare in this country. Now that has marked me for over 40 years. Oh, what would it be like? In the Welsh Revival in 1904 in, in Wales, next to England there in Europe, There were so many people being made into disciples that alcoholism, you can put the picture, yeah, alcoholism was cut in half. Judges in the cities in Wales were presented with white gloves to symbolize that there was no crime in that region. The the miners who who had their horses to to take the, the coal out of the mines They couldn't get their horses to obey them because all the horses would respond to was cussing when they got commanded to do stuff. (laughs) And the miners, so many got born again and became disciples. The horses are like, huh? Where's the, I I don't know what you're saying. That's my Mr. Ed impersonation. So what is a true disciple? I don't have the answer, full answer of what a true disciple fully is. But um, you might think at first glance, well, I thought every disciple was a true disciple. Right? Makes sense. And, and in a, to one degree, in one sense, yes, that, that's correct. But how many of you know not everyone who calls themselves a Christian is a Christian? Not everyone, likewise then, logically, who thinks they're a disciple is a true Disciple. Now, I'm not the one qualified to judge who's a true disciple and not, okay? But Jesus is. And in your notes there, Matthew 7, 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of God, does the will of my Father in heaven. So in the time that I have left, I want to share a few thoughts on what a true disciple is that I think, world according to Glenn, you know, and define a little bit of what disciple means and what true means, and then I want to share three main characteristics of a true disciple with the goal that as we hear, faith comes by hearing and God's grace is released. I want to be a true disciple. It's like I asked you to pray for me. Now I figured out why I asked you to pray for me. I don't, I don't want to fake it. Jesus had words for the church at Sardis in Revelation 3.1. He said, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead on the inside. We can have the name and not be alive on the inside. I believe the Lord wants to breathe fresh life into us today. The word disciple, we've talked about it before. It's the Greek word mathetes. It means learner. 
It's in your notes there. It comes from, um, the, it's where we get the word mathematics today. It means learner or one who continues to learn. That's what a disciple is. As Christians, we, no matter how many years you've been a Christian, we should always be learning more and more about who God is, about His beauty, about all these things about, about God. And we should continue, always be on the journey of learning. It's called growing in the knowledge of God. And when I say learning, we learn by mental acuity and receptivity of information, but we also learn by experience. In fact, the Eastern mindset in, in Middle East and China and the other parts of the world you don't say you, you don't learn something until you actually experience it. So it's the knowledge of God by encounter and by in download of information and receiving and processing, the, the, the two coming together. I believe when we cease to learn about God, when we cease to want to learn more about God, we are not functioning on all cylinders as a disciple. We should continue to realize I'm in, a, I'm in a process. The word discipline. Discipline comes from the Latin word for student. Disciplinus. And so by logic and by inference, a disciple is a disciplined one. Well, don't hit me up, Glenn, with all this discipline. Man, I'm just in the spirit. I'm just Holy Ghost. Well, it's good. Let everything be done decently and in order. Worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay, so disciplines are part of the Christian life. Discipline is not a bad word as a Christian. If you want to be a disciple, the word true. Well, let me, let me back up. I did think about the, the word mathematics again with, with it mean mathetes, mathematics. It makes me think there's a mathematical way to look at being a disciple. Now, my wife's on the front row, math teacher. We haven't talked about this, but I kind of think of it, being a disciple, is kind of like the multiplication tables. Two times seven is 14. Three times seven is 21. Four times seven is 28. Day by day, I live for Jesus. Moment by moment, yes by yes, no by no to temptation. Mistreatment by responding in love day by day. A true disciple is realizing that every day I have the choice to say yes or no to God. Moment by moment, I have the choice to love or not to love. So it's, that's what disciple is as we go forward. True a true disciple. See, what, what came off of me was I was pondering. I was like, I've never thought of the phrase a true disciple, but that's how I heard in my prayer a few weeks ago. Make, Glenn, make true disciples with your life. Do your best to help make true disciples. Just the definition of true, Webster's or the internet definition, which he knows accurate. The word true is accurate. It's in your notes. Accurate, correct, verifiable. True is also, in a verb context, 
It's a construction term. It's like to make, like, and Nate, you're an expert on this more than me, but you would make, you would make the legs of this stool true. Is that right? Kind of. <laughs> so if that leg was longer and it was, you know, but it's to, you know, when a, a table is true or a stool is true, it means the legs are in alignment. So a true disciple is one who is true, is in alignment with God's heart, with God's word, who's continuing to say, I want to come into alignment. Not you get on my side, God, but I want to get on your side. That's a true disciple idea. Now, again, when I say these things, it's God's going to help us if we'll say, Lord, help me. So it's good the Holy Spirit's name is Helper. So if he says it's his name, then he doesn't get bugged if you ask him for help. An example, as I said, alluded to earlier, John 4, 23, 24, the Father is looking throughout the earth for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. That basically means when we worship, when you're in a worship service, be honest with God. Sing it like you mean it. Be honest. Like, and, 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 you know, you, know this, you can be really connecting, but engage your heart. He's looking for those who will worship him in truth. True disciple, true worship is, Lord, I'm wanting to connect with you. And then it's then when you sing something, a lyric that you're singing it or it's up on the screen and you're like, man, I don't feel like that at all today. Be a true disciple and turn the, turn the gap between what you're singing and what's in here. Turn that into a declaration and a prayer. Lord, help me. Get there. <laughs> There's a song from Upper Room. I think I, I didn't put it in your notes, probably. I just heard a whistle on Upper Room. All right. It's called All I Want. Todd was showing this to me yesterday. All I Want, Upper Room. Here's some lyrics from that song. <clears throat> How I love to be with you. You're my treasure, my prize, my heart's great delight. And if you're going to worship in spirit and truth, you may be saying, you know, you're not all that I'm treasuring right now. You know, you may, you may be saying, um, you know, whatever the, you know, I love to be with you. I kind of am liking this, but I kind of wish I was over here right now. Just be honest. Say, Lord, help me to love to be with you. He will help us when we say, hey, I'm not there. Okay, so... Another thought, just that, that before we kind of move into the real meat of this, uh, Roman numeral three. Lots of ideas about what a true disciple is. But for the sake of time, I want to talk about three main attributes that I see <clears throat> from Scripture are the building blocks of a true disciple. Three words that I think it's Roman, yeah, three words associated with a true disciple. I want you to see those in the notes and think about it. A true disciple, it's the words introduce, train, equip. 
a true disciple has been introduced, has been trained, has been equipped. Let's all just, just say those words after me. Introduce, train, equip. Three, and it's a progression. Think of a baseball diamond. First base, introduced to Jesus. Second base, you're trained to be a victorious Christian, to be uh, not perfect and sinless, but victorious over debilitating, enslaving, sinful habits. So you're introduced. I met you. You're trained. You're like, I have, I have ways to overcome these temptations. And then you are equipped. That's third base. You are now equipped, understanding your giftings, and you have a heart of compassion to then go out. And if you pictured the baseball diamond, you'd, you'd come down <clears throat> third base and cross home plate and reach out to somebody who hasn't been introduced. And then you round home plate and you head back to first base. And you say, here, let me introduce you. That in a nutshell, those are the three basic building blocks, so to speak, of a true disciple. So I want to just make a few comments about these. First is introduce. As I've already said, we've got to first be introduced to Jesus in such a way that we surrender our life to him. A lot of people have heard about Jesus. In fact, in America, it would be hard to not, right, have heard the name of Jesus. But have we been introduced to him in the way that we would surrender our life to him, acknowledging our sin, asking forgiveness, inviting him to live in us, making him Lord or boss of our life. A disciple, true disciple, must be born again. But it goes deeper than that, than a one-time decision to say yes. To be introduced and to, to say yes to Jesus, I love this phrase from an old vineyard song. It says, he sings, once I was on the road to hell, now I'm on the road to heaven. So you switch roads to become a disciple. But now you're on a road. You're daily making progress to the destination of in full encounter with Jesus forever and ever in heaven. And I could go on in the theology on that. But I love that. I, in fact, it's just so gripping. I want us to just stop for a second and think about how glorious it is to think, Glenn, I was on the road to hell as a 15-year-old in Albuquerque. I was watching American Bandstand and this and thinking, eh, you know, all the cool things. But I was on the road to hell. Now I'm on the road to heaven. I think let's just, in fact, if it helps you, just close your eyes for a minute. I, I think Kyle called the church to close their eyes for an hour, I think, a week last summer. Yeah, last year, to think about those who are in darkness. But just think about for a minute what hell, what, what it would, would be like if your destination of your life was hell. Weeping, gnashing of teeth, 
some of the most horrible, vile characters from history in that place. Utter darkness, outer darkness, eternally separated from God's love. But through Jesus, you're on the road to heaven. You can open your eyes. Let's not ever lose the wonder of the transfer. I just didn't want to skip over that today. Thank you, Lord. I think more people than we'd like to think are in churches and they're trying to live the Christian life, but they're not yet born again. They've signed a card. They've gone forward in an altar call. Yeah, they've prayed a 15-second prayer to the preacher with the preacher on TV. And they, they think that's, what it, that's all that it is to be, okay, now I'm in. I'm in the club. And they wonder why it's so hard to be a Christian. Well, maybe it's so hard to be a Christian for them because they've never been properly introduced to Jesus. They've made some, a form of decision. I'm not belittling those decisions, but conversion didn't take place. And so we wonder, man, what, why, am I, why is this so hard? I mean, all of y'all look like you're really worshiping. I don't get it. Well, maybe it's because there's not been conversion. Now, when you, you know when you know, and we can pray today at the end to, make, to help you be sure, but make sure that you really know Jesus. I've heard, you know, I've heard this phrase for decades, kind of, you know, especially in the Baptist church growing up. You know, just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger just because you're going. And I thought about that this week. I thought I kind of need to update my version of, I know McDonald's still exists, but Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to Whole Foods makes you a bottle of kombucha. That's for you, girl. Or a bowl of quinoa. Or a turmeric latte. Going to Whole Foods doesn't make you a slice of avocado toast any more than going to church saying, oh, I go to church, I must be a disciple. We must be introduced. Do you know him today? Do you know him? Because introduce is something, in fact, I want to play this video, it's about three minutes. I want to play it because it's very inspiring, but it also is going to make a really important point at the end that I want to talk about. It's from a pastor, if you can go ahead and just get it started and turn the lights off. So you can see it. Dr. S.M. Lockyer. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. 
merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the pride. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a well-framed of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign and a yoke is easy, and a firm is lighter. I wish I could describe it, but yet he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't Thank you, Lord. If you haven't been introduced and you don't know him, at the end today, come up and we will pray with you and you can walk out with the with the knowledge, that the assurance that you know him. But yes, that's inspiring. But I, the point that I was struck with when I watched that this week was you could take and spend your whole life, all your Bible study time on each of those topics, each of those attributes of who Jesus is, and you would, you would never exhaust it. There are so many ways that we can, can and should continue to be introduced to him. I know him, but I don't know him in so many ways that he described. I've been introduced, but a true disciple continues to say, Lord, introduce me to something more about you. Show me more. Kyle shared last week during the offering time, in, about giving, the Lord prompting him and Brooke to give someone a certain amount of money. And then right within a short time, someone sent back and sent them the same amount of money. They had no idea about what they were sending the money the other way. 
He was introduced in a greater level to the provider, Jesus. Jesus actually invites us to take his yoke upon us in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29. He, he says, come and be introduced to me as the humble king. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. But before that, he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. So I want to be into, I've been praying that for about five years now. Lord, would you, would you, I, would you, I take, I take your invitation and I basically am praying, Lord, introduce me to what humility looks like from your personal life. Because he basically said, here, come in. I'm going to show you from my own life, Jesus is saying, what humility is. Those are some examples of a disciples in the process you have to be introduced, born again, and then you're in the process of being introduced the rest of your days. Real kind of closing up now here. Um, not going to take too much time. Then a disciple is trained. Trained. We need to be in, in continuing training to be overcoming Christians, overcoming the habits of sin, the grip of sin, becoming less conformed to sinful ways, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, and more conformed to the image of Jesus. More conformed. Everybody, just, would you just say this after me? Less conformed, less conformed, more transformed. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. Be less conformed to this world, system, lust, pride, all that, and but be transformed into the image of Jesus by renewing our mind. It's in your notes, an old song from the 90s by Sonic Flood called Holiness. This is a prayer. Hey, I got Whole Foods in. I'm more calm, modern. <laughs> but look at this prayer. This is such a prayer of a true disciple. Worship team, you can come on up. The prayer of this, this is such a cool prayer. It's, Lord, so take my heart and form it. Take my mind and transform it. Take my will and conform it to yours, to yours, oh Lord. One more thing on this point, and we're almost done. A true disciple doesn't let sin hang around their neck all the time. A true disciple repents, confesses sin, asks for forgiveness as soon as they sin, as soon as possible. Living with unconfessed sin, living with unconfessed sin is like allowing wild dogs on your doorstep and any time, the moment you leave your door or your house to go out in your day, because you've stayed in agreement with sin, they're right there to bite you. Don't put bowls of food out for the wild dogs. Tell them to get out. Get. Push delete on your sin. Ask the Lord to help you. The mercy of God is there, is here today.
1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just. When we confess our sin, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. It means we can trust him to forgive us. God is just means the penalty for our sins was paid already by the blood of Jesus. So it's in God's justice. He says, I will forgive you because the penalty for that sin you're confessing was already paid for. So he's faithful. I can trust him. Every time I sin and I come back, Lord, will you forgive? I'm faithful. I will forgive. But I'm also just and holy. I'm not just some senile old grandfather. <laughs> you sin. That's ah, okay. You know, no, he's holy. And because he's holy, he's just. But he's just. In his holiness, he says, I will forgive you because Jesus paid the price, took the penalty for your sin. So a true disciple doesn't let sin hang around their neck and just weigh them down. Finally, is equip. A true disciple is equipped. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 talks about pastors, evangelists, teachers. For the equipping of the saints, that's all of us. For the equipping of all of us to do the work of the ministry. So it's not just being a disciple as I know Jesus and I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not just a crazy, horrible sinner. A true disciple is saying, who do I minister to? Who God, who, Kevin, who's God called you to minister to? Your wife, your family, for sure. Marketplace, the people in your neighborhood. Who, who, we've all got ministries that, of ones we're called to, to minister to. And being equipped is also a, pro, a, a, a process. All three are a process. I'm, be, I'm introduced, I'm being introduced. I've been trained, I'm walking more in victory over sin. I'm being trained. That's why we keep coming to church, <laughs> Sunday school, home group. And I'm, I'm equipped, but I'm continue, continuing to be equipped. Airline pilots go to training regularly, go to equipping regularly to how to fly the plane. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but there are, my point is they're flying already, but they're continuing to be equipped and train. It's the same with us. Let's stand up if you would. Holy Spirit, where do you want us to go right now? Yeah. I think the Lord would have us right now just to put every other distraction aside. ask to know him more. In morning prayer at eight, we, we, I've, I've had a, I had what I believe was a gift of faith that our prayers could uh, release the light of revelation that people would under, would see like, you know, that the lights would come on. And I thought, you know, when I go to a light switch, I'm not all nervous thinking, oh, is the light going to come on? 
I have faith. I'm like, I can turn that light on. Well, the prayer, the, the prayer in Ephesians that we are called to pray said, Lord, would you release the, enlighten us in our understanding? Would you release the spirit of revelation? So right now, I pray, and I prayed it this morning. I have faith that, that God wants to turn on the lights right now. And I'm going back to what Kyle shared. Turn on the lights that you are lovely as tears. That he sees you as lovely. That he sees you as beautiful in your yes right now. That he sees you as very powerful, an army with banners to defeat. And right now, I remember praying with Danielle a few weeks ago. We, we got in and we, did, we were like an army praying and to, to pray to defeat a spiritual attack. Right now, I believe the Lord wants you to, if it helps, I, I want to encourage you, close your eyes right now because there's something God's called you to defeat. He's not going to defeat it for you by himself. Now, something sovereign God does. But right now, Isaiah 54, 17 says, the, the, the tongues rising against you in judgment, you shall condemn. So there's something that you need to, to, to declare is defeated in your life. I mean, don't, don't put up with it anymore. You are awesome as an armor with that. Lord, turn on the lights right now. You have power and authority in the name of Jesus. Power to declare to that thing, to declare to that mountain, be removed. Everyone who needs a mountain removed, specifically, the Lord's identifying a, a specific mountain, I want you to come up and stand up here right now. I have a mountain, I want it removed, and I'm gonna, I want, I, the lights are coming on, I'm an army with banners. And those mountains are moving. Look at this. Come on up. Come up and say, I am not putting up with that mountain anymore. No more. I know him. And I want you to take out your sword. The sword of the Spirit. Jesus said, it says, he, he said, it is written. And we have, Ephesians 6 says, we have the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want you, if it helps you, if it helps you to do this motion, I want you to go. Right now, we're getting ready. We're not playing church. That's right. Now, is this a, just a thing? No, you've been given. Jesus told you, if you're a Christian, he said, you, Sky, have power and authority over all demons. I gave you power and authority to make disciples. So, Lord, here we are. Take authority. Whatever that thing is, I ask right now, I'm going to say a couple of general declarations of it is written. And here it is, Isaiah 54, 17. Focus on that. Look at that mountain. Look at the big God over the mountain. No weapon, no mountain formed against you. Just say this, no mountain formed against me will prosper. You just say it under, yeah, there's no mountain formed against me will prosper and every scheme rising against me in the name of Jesus I now condemn that scheme 
I break that scheme in the name of Jesus. And I invite the kingdom of God to come and push out that mountain in Jesus' name. Just, yeah, someone just did it. Just begin to thank him. Thank him. Thank him. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're coming. We've come before you. No, we, if there's anything else unconfessed, we've confessed it. Lord, we want to be equipped. We want to be introduced more. Just put, would you put your hand over, if it helps you again, I'm sorry, I'm just, but I'm just going with it. But if it helps to put your hand over your eyes like this, I'm just putting lightly. Lord, would you open our eyes to more of who you are, more beauty. So show me more of what honesty looks like. What being true looks like. Lord, open my eyes to your compassion, to your power. And here's the big one. Open my eyes to the power of your cross. I declare to you now as we, Colossians 2.15, On the cross, Jesus. Yeah, let's say it. On the cross, Jesus, you disarmed principalities and powers of darkness. You triumphed over them. You made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them on the cross. Thank you for the power of the cross moving that mountain and turning things around. Thank you. Lord, you're going to turn it all around. We declare that right now at this altar. Things got settled. Things are getting settled right now at this altar and out there. They're turning around right now. You're not waiting. They're turning around right now. Not because... I got emotional or you got, but because of the power of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I had a couple of words of knowledge. I want us to close with this, Suzanne, if you can hear me that. Just stay, everybody stay locked in just for one more minute. someone with kidney problems. Maybe unrelated, but this is, wouldn't, you wouldn't have to raise your hand, but someone with trouble urinating, trouble urinating, kidney problems, liver problems, enzyme levels or cirrhosis. Just right now, just receive. I'm going to have the worship team just sing for... Just a few moments. Another one, um, this came into my phone during worship. Um, someone who didn't know that, but someone's teeth, molars, and someone's neck, C1 and C2. 
molars. Neck. Maybe it, maybe you need to get a maybe it's a what do you call it? Wisdom teeth thing. Okay, that, okay, let's pray. Pray right now. Just reach out. What's your what's the situation here? Let's just let, let, let this sink in now. The word's gone forth. You've responded. Just in this time now, let's thank God for moving the mountain. Thanksgiving opens the door for more. So let's be thankful. I declare, River in the Hills, you are a church family full of true disciples. You are true. We're on the way, Lord. Thank you for taking us from the road to hell and leading us, putting us on the road to heaven. Let's thank you as we close.